Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 30th day of October 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. I am uh, recording this while it's still that night when it's raining in Palo Alto. Um, I'll get into what's happening in the life of Sully sometime, but not right now. Right now is a time to appreciate two things. The fact that we've got a World Series going on, and the fact that we've got some rain falling in California. And when that happens, that's a time to take a moment, stop, and appreciate it. I've been doing a lot of stopping and appreciating these days, and probably too damn much. I've been appreciating too much. i got to take some more stuff for granted these days. But it's raining, and I'm starting to hear some of the stuff on the windowsills, and out here I've stepped outside, and it's falling out on the patio and on the table. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. It's one of the most, I just think when I see rain falling and falling in puddles and falling on the ground and falling on the windowsills, I think it's one of the most beautiful sights in the world. But it's not the most beautiful sight in the world. The most beautiful sight in the world, okay, is my family loving me and and being happy to see me and hugging me and everything. Okay, fine, I got that out of the way. That's the pole position. Got it. But since I was a kid, the thing that fascinated me the most in all of baseball, and to this day, if I think about baseball, if I think about years, I think about World Series, I think about my own scenarios, I think about games that I've played as video games or playing hardball or playing Digital Diamond or playing Pursue the Pennant or all the, the, the home baseball games that I've had over the years. What is the thing I've thought about the most? The moment I've thought about the most. And it's not even close. The moment that I've thought about the most is the final out. The final out of the World Series, or the final play, because we've seen World Series end, you know, in my lifetime, I've witnessed World Series end with a base hit by Gene Larkin in 1991, a home run by Joe Carter in 1993, a single by Edgar Renteria in 1997, a single by Luis Gonzalez in 2001. I believe that's the last one. Yeah, it's the last time the World Series ended on a walk-off hit or a walk-off play. But that's the thing that I remember the most. That's the thing I think about the most. That's the thing I fantasize about. That's the thing when I'm in the middle of winter when there's no baseball. What am I thinking? What do I want to watch? I want to watch that moment where Uehara struck out the final batter or Pablo Sandoval caught the ball and fell on his butt or Wade Davis got the final out and raised his hands up in the air. It is a beautiful sight. There is a moment, the championship is won, and then they go on and celebrate. And that is a beautiful thing. I'll tell you another beautiful thing. My mother is back. I'm looking at my mother walking towards me. She has her raincoat on, and she sees her crazy son 
standing outside in the rain. In my new shoes. Oh, she's mad I'm wearing my shoes. Well, you're mad you're wearing your new shoes. All right, well, I'll turn this off for a second. You're going to be hearing this, you know, Ma. I know, that's fine. I figured so, but at least this is the first day. This is... is do you want me to wear my old crummy shoes? But these are nice shoes. Look, they're, they're, they fit great. I know that, but out in the rain. Right. They're all right. My mother is exasperated at yes, me. Yes, I am. I am. All right, we'll, we'll pick this up later. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm recording this much later now. I've, it's always interesting to uh, be a grown man with a beard, have gray hair and a gray beard, and still be lectured by my mom about the shoes that I'm wearing. I got a new pair of shoes and was wearing them in the rain. And uh, I suppose that's not looked highly upon. Um, what I was talking about back then when I was talking about that was about the, the championship and the, and the moment of where the, the, the final out is made and the, and the celebration begins. As I said, that's one of the reasons why I was so against the idea of Chapman having that, because it's something I truly cherish. I don't want to cherish and celebrate someone of who is a domestic abuser. don't think that's a crazy stance on my part. But the video that I posted that I found on YouTube, where they had the last, I think it was the last 50 World Series final moment, one right after another, right after another. Now, there were three that they didn't have the actual broadcast from, and those are the three A's championships of 72, 73, and 74. Your pal Sully has one of those on CD because of the 1972 October writing project that I'm doing. Your pal Sully got a hold of a bunch of the radio recordings of the World Series, and I do cherish them. Uh, the thing that was very interesting is you see that there is a progression, there is an evolution, the, the celebration does change, it's not a constant. The way you celebrate a world championship in the 60s is not necessarily how you celebrated a world championship in the 70s and the 80s or in the 90s or today. I found it sound like a, a, a soft rock station when I say that. And it's going to bring me, this is kind of a Sunday request, because I'm going to be bringing up the, uh, a tweet that I got from one of the great friends of the podcast. On uh, Twitter, you go find him at Sully B-Ball L-O-T-D, which is Sully Baseball Line of the Day. It's Alvaro Espinosa, and he likes to post his favorite lines of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. It's not me. We've never met in person. We've only talked on the phone twice. But he saw the video that I posted, and he just wrote, Yes, Sully Baseball, yes! And he made three terrific points that I thought were worth sharing. One, Koufax and Dodgers, I'll just read the tweet and I'll explain what they mean. Koufax and Dodgers act like they won our dinner raffle. Two, 79 Pirates have the best uniforms. Three, 20 years of Joe Buck is enough. Now let's break down what that tweet means. Um, most of the time when you see the championship being won in any one of these clips, in the 60s, there tended to be like, like a 
uh, maybe uh, arms up in the air, a little a big kind of like, you know, the running up to the catcher and, and hugging, jumping up and down for a few minutes and then running off the field. When Sandy Koufax, and when Sandy Koufax won, he won two World Series. He was the pitcher on the mound for two different World Series, the ending of two different World Series, 1963 and 1965. Now, Koufax when he clinched the World Series in Los Angeles, uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the only time the Dodgers ever won the World Series in L.A. 15, let's go, let's do it by memory. 59, they won it in Chicago. 63, they won in L.A. 65, they won in Minnesota. Uh, 81, they won in Yankee Stadium. 88, they won in Oakland. So, yeah, it's the only time the Dodgers ever clinched the World Series in L.A. And Koufax was on the mound to do it. And he was quite exuberant as they swept and dominated the Yankees in a World Series best remembered that it was the one that R.P. McMurphy wanted to watch in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, your pal Sully's favorite movie. Now, when he did it again two years later, it was a much more dramatic World Series. It was a seven-game series, a really terrific World Series between the Minnesota Twins and the Dodgers. And both teams were considered relative underdogs going into it because the Dodgers had experienced uh, injuries and loss of some of their players, and the Twins were kind of an upstart team. That was the end of the Yankee dynasty. The Yankees had their great run that ended in 64. The Twins took over in 65. So neither team were really expected to win the World Series that year. And the Dodgers won with a complete game shutout by Sandy Koufax. Now, what Alvaro Espinoza did, was referring to is it looked like he won the church raffle. It's always an ending of a World Series that struck me as a little weird. Koufax got the final strikeout. The call from the announcer was, he did it. And he walked over and he shook the hand. There's no jumping up in the air. He walked over, he shook the hand of the catcher, and the other people surrounded him, started patting him on the back, and then they walked into the, they all walked into the clubhouse. Now, if you had said, okay, when was that game won? Complete game shutout. When was that won based upon that reaction? I bet eight or nine out of ten of you would say, oh, that's probably a, a June or July day. It's a regular season game. They're all running up, pitched a fine game, and they all walk into the clubhouse. You wouldn't say Game 7 of the World Series, would you? It's an interesting notion that it was kind of a subdued championship celebration. Uh, and there were wild so There were, like, and you go the very next year, and the Baltimore Orioles swept Koufax and the Dodgers, and which is Koufax's final games in that World Series. That was an exuberant celebration with McNally and Brooks Robinson and Andy Etcheberry jumping up in the air. But yeah, it looked like he won a church raffle. Uh, the, the Pirates, of course, if anyone listens to this podcast, and you know I do, that the 1979 World Series was the first one your pal Sully remembers watching and is one of the basis of me creating the rule of seven. I was seven years old when I remembered that. And they were where the Pirates, which was the last time they won the World Series, was in 1979. You saw the bright yellow uniforms that the Pirates wore versus the bright orange uniforms that the Orioles wore as TV was really embracing, you know, bananas colors to go with color TV. 
something that Charlie O'Finley figured out with the swing and A's. But he's right. They're beautiful. The 70s uniforms were beautiful. When you saw the, the series that were won by Oakland, the series that were won by Cincinnati, that were won by the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're beautiful. They were fun. They were exuberant. They were alive. They were great, great teams and great, great colors. It was fun. Remember fun? You used to be allowed to have fun in baseball. And it was a wonderful, beautiful sight to see the Pirates win. Now, I'd like to see them win another one, update that championship, instead of having another run of fine years that don't result in a pennant. But I digress. One of the things that when watching that video that became apparent is that basically since 1996, since 1996, we are now in the 20th anniversary of Joe Buck calling every single final World Series with two exceptions. There have been two exceptions, 1997 and 1999. And in both of those instances, that was when they flip-flopped every year between Fox and NBC. So if you were watching that montage, you would hear Joe Buck, then you were Bob Costas who called the end of the 97 World Series. Then Joe Buck, then Costas, then Buck, 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 Buck. Not to sound like a chicken, but Buck, 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 Buck. Now, in that montage, they do mix up a couple of things. They played... John Sterling's call of the end of the 1999 World Series instead of the Bob Costas television call. They also called the Harry Callis call at the end of the uh, 2008 World Series championship for the Phillies, which was, struck him out, the Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball! Thank you. That was for you, Michael Ferraro. But the Joe Buck has been the consistent announcer now for two decades. And if you take someone who has come into age in the year 2000, which was, believe it or not, that was, what, 14 years ago, so you use the rule of seven. If you're 23, if you're a 23 year old, you just graduated from college. You don't really have a memory of anyone other than Joe Buck narrating your World Series. Now, this is a topic I have talked about before, and I'm treading on some territory which has been mined by your pal Sully. But watching that made me want to mix things up. You know, you, every once in a while you'll hear. Um, the ESPN radio broadcast on the highlight, or one of the local ones. It's important to mix it up. This is not, I'm not a classic Joe Buck hater. I'm really not. I think he has a distinct style. I think sometimes he is, uh, he, he strikes me as someone who might come up with some of his lines before the game, but maybe not. But he's undeniably talented. He is. And he's undeniably good at his job. He is. But what I don't want to see is him being the monopoly of our companion on these World Series games. 
there is something to be said for his style, but there's also something to be said for a style of an excited broadcaster, a style of a a more humorous broadcaster, a more serious broadcaster, a, a, someone who takes the game into a different place, in a different feel. Joe Garagiola used to call World Series games, and he was, uh, you know, I've always said, this was not a knock on Vince Scully, but when everyone was saying it's he, that Vince Scully was, without a doubt, the greatest announcer of all time, I said, hold up, Garagiola wasn't bad. Kirk Gowdy wasn't bad. Okay? Vin may be on top of the world, but uh, there are other greats. And Joe Buck, fine announcer. Don't mind him calling the games. But isn't it a little refreshing when they went to some of the other announcers in the postseason? You know, I mean, when you when it's not the game that, that Joe called... That's throw in a couple other names, throw in a couple other voices, throw in some people that will change up the feeling of it a little bit. You know, Keith Jackson was a terrific. I mean, there's some announcers that you associate with other sports. Keith Jackson, I'm guessing most people associated with football. I'm thinking that most people associate Al Michaels with football or maybe with hockey because he was the voice of the Do You Believe in Miracles game. Al Michaels is a terrific baseball announcer. Listen to some of the World Series that he called in the 80s. He was great. I mean, he, I mean his call in the, the Dave Henderson, Donnie Moore game is one of the great announcing jobs you'll ever damn hear. John Miller is probably the best in the game. I wouldn't mind John Miller calling a World Series game. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't mind some of the, uh, uh, some of the other people, some of the other great legends in the game to have a shot. One of the things that NBC, and again, I've mentioned this before, NBC used to pair up Joe Garagiola with a local announcer. That's one of the reasons why you heard Al Michaels calling some of the World Series games with the Cincinnati Reds when he was the Reds announcer. Why you heard Dick Stockton give the call for Kirk, for Carlton Fisk's, there it goes, a long drive to left field, if it stays fair, home run! It was Dick Stockton's voice. That's why Rizzuto was in the booth during the 76 World Series. I wouldn't mind mixing it up. Have him, maybe have Buck every other year. Every three years. But to have him be the announcer every damn year, after a while, I'm sorry, it gets stale. He's done some great calls, to be sure. But there's part of Joe Buck's style is kind of more of a, you know, he can be a little more reserved. He can be a little more, you know, he can hold back a little. Back to the track, you know, see you tomorrow night. I mean, little tributes to his dad. They're all fine. But it's been a while. Maybe it's time to try someone else just for a bit. Just for a bit. I'm not even saying not use them. Just for a bit. To mix it up. To make the experience a little more varied over the years. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying it might be enough. 
it might be enough. How many great classic moments, and there have been great classic moments, and he's done a fine job, but there have been moments where it's been a breath of fresh air to hear the local announcer or to hear another international announcer call it a little differently. You know he wrote down Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are, are world champions. That's fine. But let's have another style as well. I'm not even saying me. I'm not a play-by-play guy. But I'm willing to give it a whirl. So, hey, Alvaro Espinoza, keep doing what you do. And by all means, everyone out there, go follow him on Twitter. I'll put a link on sullybaseball.com that... Go follow him and see what he thinks the Sully Baseball line of the day is. Well, we're here on Sunday. We're going to play Game 5 of the World Series. Hope you're enjoying the World Series up to now. You know what? I hope we still have baseball tomorrow. So, with my new shoes slightly wet and my mother giving me a lecture, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for Sunday, the 30th day of October 2016. Oh, wait a minute. I forgot to do the rest of the sign-up. Go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter. If you want to be old school, send me an email. Info SullyBaseball.com. Who wrote the music? That would be Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Boom. I've done all the other things. Maybe I'm a little winded. Maybe this is why I'm not taking Joe Buck's place. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. And I'll see you tomorrow night. And you can call me Sully.